0: everyone and welcome to the your village podcast parenting beyond discipline the place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered I'm your host Erin Royer So I have two questions I'm answering today, both about dealing with the common struggles in toddler behavior. First, a question on defiance, and the next about dealing with throwing toys. But I want to share a quick announcement. We updated the podcast page. It was getting messy and out of hand, so my graphic designer did a beautiful job revamping it. I made the announcement on Instagram on Sunday when it first went up. If you're curious, you can check it out at yourvillageonline.com slash podcast. And I am going to get back to sharing some more short videos on Instagram with parenting stories and tips. My goal is to get one a week and I have it on my weekly work schedule so that I can be sure to get those done. So if you want to see those, you can follow me at Iron Mom 2020. But first, let's get to the question from Jasmine about toddler defiance. Hi, Erin. My name is Jasmine. I'm a new listener to your podcast and love it. I'm a single parent and work full-time. My son, for the greater part of the day, is in daycare while I work. Lately, he has been more defiant than usual. He has picked up saying no for everything. We have good days and we have bad days. It seems like when he's around my mom, he rebels even more. He will scream, hit, or say no to me. I've tried timeouts, even spanking. He really doesn't hold anything close to him to take away as a consequence for bad behavior. Sometimes in order to get his attention, I have to yell before he stops and listens to what I'm saying. He's almost three years old. Needless to say, the two-year-old phase wasn't easy. I want to correct the behavior rather than to assume he has behavioral issues. Any help or advice is greatly appreciated. So first Jasmine, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I would also go back and listen to that one right after this one. It is about toddler development and behavior that is common due to what is happening during this developmental phase, which will help you to first understand his behavior. And then you have a foundation for helping him learn better behavior. But just to quickly paraphrase, this behavior is very common during this age because there is a big push for independence during toddlerhood. One of the easier ways to push back is by saying no. So it's a very common phrase for toddlers. But there are ways to work with their independence rather than against it. So for instance, asking a question or even telling them what to do will often invite a no. So can you put your shoes on please will often result in a no telling them, I need you to put your shoes on now, please, will also often result in a no. It appeals to that sense of independence. I can decide if I wanna do something or not. And when a parent clearly wants you to do one thing, they're most likely, most commonly, going to want to do the complete opposite. You say up, they say down. You say black, they say white. And this is the way they assert their independence. They're not really thinking about the shoes or whether or not they wanna put them on. They're just thinking, I don't wanna be told what to do. And so the automatic answer is no. So you wanna really focus on the positive methods. Now just a few of these include focus on the positive. This means giving attention when they do something you ask right away. Thank you for putting your toys away. That was helpful. Thank you for getting in the car so quickly. That was cooperative. Focusing on the positive does two things. It gives attention to what you like to see rather than attention to what you don't. Kids are always looking for attention, but if they get more for negative behavior than positive ones, then it tends to increase the negative behaviors. Also focusing on the negative behaviors puts that in their mind. Don't jump on the couch. They hear jump on the couch. So that's what they're most likely going to do. They don't know what else to do instead. And so their mind doesn't get any other ideas of what to do. So when you focus on the positive it also lets them know what you like to see so to do this you want to describe the behavior and then give it a label you put your shoes on by yourself that's so independent the description is the behavior you like to see the label is for them to internalize these positive traits so helpful kind caring independent cooperative brave healthy friendly thoughtful ambitious Etc. The list goes on and on. When they hear these descriptors regularly and internalize them, they then start to do more and more of these behaviors that exemplify the labels. They do more things that are helpful, kind, caring, friendly, independent, cooperative, etc., because they see themselves as this as friendly, kind, and caring, cooperative, etc. The second tool, which I covered last week also, but fits here so perfectly, is choices. When you give a child, and particularly a toddler, choices, it changes the focus because it's already offering independence in the way it's presented. There are three types of choices, when, where, and how choices. When is when do you want to do it? So you can see the choice is not do you want to do it or not, because that automatically invites opposition. They're going to say no, they don't want to do it every single time. Do you want to clean up in five minutes or 10 minutes? Do you want to put your shoes on now or in five minutes? Should we go to the store now or in five minutes? Where choices are, as you can guess, where do you want to do it? The hallway or your room, the floor or the couch, inside or outside, upstairs or downstairs. Again, the choice isn't do you want to do it, it's where. Then there are how choices. These are the ones that can be fun and really get kids on board. The more common ones are the this or that choices, this shirt or that shirt, this fruit or that fruit. But you can also do things that are fun and silly like, do you want to quack like a duck or waddle like a penguin when we walk back to the car? Do you want to sing Twinkle Twinkle or hop on two feet while you hold my hand in the parking lot? The choice isn't whether to hold the hand in the parking lot or not. The choice is how to do it. It takes their mind off of the fact that they have to hold your hand and onto how they are going to do it. The great thing about choices is that they also help your child work on decision making skills positive discipline is so great for child development and it supports their growth socially emotionally and cognitively and makes parenting in the long run much easier as children develop these skills and are so much more independent, responsible, and cooperative throughout childhood. And they also really strengthen that bond that is so important to gathering cooperation. Now, if you wanna learn more about choices, you can see that class on the website or villageonline.com under the discipline section where I cover pitfalls and little genius tactics, which are mistakes that parents can make when presenting choices and the little genius tactics are ways that kids will try to work their way around choices and what you can do when they try to wiggle around it, how you can keep those choices as the boundaries. Now, things like timeouts and spanking are a behavioral approach to parenting. The behavioral approach has two downsides. It doesn't teach kids better ways of behaving. It doesn't teach kids to be independent thinkers and problem solvers. And lastly, these methods tend to build resentments and therefore increase negative behaviors, especially in certain personality types like the highly persistent kids. So I'm going to touch on timeouts first. The problem with timeouts is kids, especially really young ones, will rarely sit and think about what they did and how they could do better or differently next time. If they know better, they do better. So they need our help and timeouts don't give that opportunity because they're sitting in solitary, they're sitting alone. Secondly, especially in older kids four plus, it builds resentment and has the opposite effect because all they think about is how mean or unfair mom or dad is being in this moment. And so again, they aren't thinking or learning about better behavior choices. They may even be thinking about how they're going to retaliate down the road. And then you see this increase in negative behaviors because it's escalating that negative feedback loop. So you wanna get out of that. Spanking is also not a good discipline tactic because first research shows that adults who were spanked as kids have drastically higher rates of depression and anxiety. It also builds resentments and doesn't teach better ways of behaving and good conflict resolution. It actually teaches kids when you're mad at someone, it's okay to hit them. So it tends to increase aggressive and other negative behaviors also, and therefore has the opposite effect of what we're looking for, which is better behavior. The only way sometimes these tactics work and it's not in the long run and it's not internally motivated is out of fear. If they're afraid of the parent, they will stay in line, but it's not done through an internal motivation of being a good person because I wanna do better or I wanna do the right thing or I feel good when, I, when I'm helpful or kind or caring or cooperative. So that is what we're looking to build instead. So by using the positive techniques, you will greatly reduce the negative behaviors. So there's a lot more positive tools out there, like one, two, three magic, time-ins, coaching, Lots of communication tools, like what I call communication tools, the three types of consequences and how to implement each. And one of the consequence types is a positive tool. The other two are not technically positive discipline, but there are times and we use these as a very last consequence when everything else has not worked. The one, two, three magic, the coaching, the time ins the choices. You can use the consequence but you want to use them as a very last resort and you want to use them in a very particular way to let the child know that certain behaviors are just unacceptable. When you do need to set those limits and follow through, you can use those and you can find all those tools on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the discipline tab. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. By Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com/slash podcast with the code parenting for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The next question is from Christina, who says, Hi, Erin. I recently started listening to your podcast, and I'm loving it. My husband has been listening as well. It's been fantastic. Please forgive me if you've covered this topic, and perhaps I haven't gotten to the episode yet. If so, please feel free to direct me to it. My question is about frustration and throwing objects. My daughter just turned two a little over a month ago. She's very sweet, intelligent, and has always been very reasonable when we communicate with her, even from a young age. What I'm coming up against is times where she gets frustrated for various reasons and will throw whatever object may be in her hand. Could be a toy, a snack, etc. I try to stop her right away and get to her level and say, if you get frustrated, mommy and daddy can help. Just say, help, please. But she will often do it again, and sometimes the object she throws could be dangerous to her or others, so I don't know how to hit this point home. I know that saying we don't throw things isn't the most positive focus statement, but I've added that on as well. If she doesn't have something to throw, she often makes a loud noise and claps her hands together aggressively to show she's frustrated. I try to always label it when addressing it. What are you frustrated about? And she will usually pause and consider the question. If I know the reason why, I help her work through it but it's the zero to 60 bursts that I don't know how to handle in order to prevent it. What should we be doing differently to curb this behavior, especially the throwing? Thank you so much, Christina. Now I love several of the things you're doing here, Christina. I love that you're labeling her emotions. I love that you are asking her why she's frustrated and giving her a chance to think about that, connect with the emotion and think about it. Those are great. Um, So I have covered this in the past, but there's so many episodes now that it's hard to search back through, and each question tends to have nuances of their own uniqueness, so I like to answer them individually anyway. Also, because popular questions like this mean others are probably struggling with the same issue, and you never know what I'm going to share this time that may be that specific tip that helps another parent or two better than other ways I've covered the question in the past. So, to start out, I'm going to refer back to last week's episode again. And I share in there because toddlers' logical brains are just beginning to develop. They tend to have difficulties handling big emotions in a more logical and calm manner because their limbic brain or the more primitive brain is developed. But without the logical brain to help balance and regulate, it's very easy and common for the emotions to take over. So this process takes some time and patience with some continued coaching, which is what you're doing already. But I'm gonna give some steps on dealing with the toy throwing in a moment, but I wanna start with the more benign behavior of throwing food. First, because you have it in there and ask about it, and I'm sure there's other parents who deal with this with their toddlers as well. When it comes to things like snacks or other food, it's pretty easy. First, because it's not going to hurt anyone, it's just annoying. So when a toddler throws food, you can simply say, I can see you're done eating and then get them down. Now, it's up to you if you want to give a warning the first few times it happens. If you throw food, it tells me you're done eating. Are you finished? If your child says no, then you can give the warning. If you throw food again, that means you're finished and I will get you down from the table. If your child says yes, they are finished, then you can set the boundary about throwing food. We don't throw food, so when you are finished, I need you to use your words, please. Let's practice. So you want to help your child practice here. What words they would use to let you know they're finished eating rather than throwing the food. Now, depending on the language ability, you can give your child the language to practice like down, please or done, please for younger toddlers who are only speaking two to three word phrases. Or if you have an older child, an older toddler, who is using complete sentences, you wanna help them practice, I want to get down please, or I want down please, whatever you feel like they can handle. You can also teach sign language for toddlers who are pre-verbal or really struggling with verbalization and say it along with the signing. Now done is done with two hands, palms facing in and flipping them out to show the palms outward. So you flip your hands out and say done. Please is your right hand flat against your chest, the middle of your chest, and you move it in a circle in a clockwise position from the observer's point of view against your chest. So, you would do the done, please, or you could do the down, please. Down is all fingers in a fist except the index finger, and it's pointing down, making a downward motion. Now, I put a quick video on Instagram demonstrating these two phrases in sign language so you can see what they are. It's an Iron Man 2020, so you can see that there. I taught our kids sign language, and it's actually really cute. But you always want to talk when you do it. Done, please, more food, please, all of those. Um, but it gets their mind starting to develop the language skill, even if they can't quite verbalize it yet. So toy throwing or any other hard object can be dangerous, as Christina mentioned. It can break the toy or hurt someone. Also, as Christina mentioned, sometimes it's hard not to use a negative like stop, no, or don't. No throwing toys. Don't throw toys. Stop throwing toys. But with young toddlers, this can be confusing because they need to first take the positive part, throw toys. And then they have to negate it. They have to turn it around 180 degrees. So this sometimes is hard. It confuses them. They're not quite sure how to do that in their brain yet if their language skills are still early on in developing. All they hear is the throw toys and the no, the don't, the stop. It just gets completely lost. So if you say don't put your cup down or don't take your shoes off, the next thing you know they're putting their cup down or taking their shoes off. because They're Mind's kind of going over this and thinking, and they're not trying to be oppositional. They're thinking through the language, and they just hear cup down or shoes off, and that's what they do. They just truly didn't understand. So if at all possible, it's best to figure out a way to state commands in the positive. So keep your shoes on, please. Hold on to your cup, please. Toys are for playing. So when your child throws a toy, you first want to start with empathy, I can see you're frustrated. You're labeling their emotion, just like Christina's already doing. And this helps your toddler feel understood. It gives language to the feeling and helps the logical brain connect the word with the feeling they're getting in their body, which develops this part of the brain. Then you can move to coaching. But toys are for playing. If you throw it, it can break or it could hurt someone. If you're feeling angry, I need you to use your words, like this, I'm angry. Or you can hit the pillow, or give any other number of ways to work through that frustration more appropriately. And you wanna keep in mind that kids are individuals. Some kids are gonna be fine with the verbal. Other kids do need a physical way to get that frustration out. You wanna give lots of ways to help them calm down. Now you can give a warning the first few times you have this conversation, if you like, but you don't have to. If you throw the toy again, I'll have to put it away for 15 minutes and you can try again later. You don't wanna make this too long because after about 15 minutes, it loses its effectiveness. Toddlers won't remember why the toy was taken after that time. So giving it back after 30 minutes, you're starting all over. They won't remember the lesson at all. So I wanna take a step back here for a minute too and talk about the patience piece on the part of us adults and going back to what I talked about last week about toddlers, Not playing with a full deck. So just imagine for a moment, you're a toddler. You're playing something like you're building a block tower. You're pushing your toy bus around the carpet. The block tower falls over or the bus wheels stop moving. This is your world at that moment. You are completely enveloped and engaged in this block tower or in this bus and where it's going and what you're doing with it. You have a limited understanding of physics and engineering, limited physical capabilities with large motor skills, just getting moderately developed and fine motor skill has a long way to go. So manipulating these things well will take time, meaning the toys. It will take time development and practice. So in your clumsy two or three year old body, you knock over your tower or your bus won't move and your little stubby fingers can't figure out what's happening to the wheels. Why won't they turn? There might be something stuck in there, but they're not able to figure this out. So you're frustrated and you're escalating in your mind because you can't get it to work. On top of it, your reasoning skills are very rudimentary and your language skills are too, especially for expressing complex thoughts like emotions. And so you react by doing the only thing you can think of in that moment, and that's to pick up a block and throw it or toss the bus in frustration. Now, not all toddlers react physically. Many, many do. It's very common. But some will scream or cry. Some will kick the ground. But toddlerhood is ripe for opportunities for frustration. The good news about this is that it gives us lots of opportunities to teach And it gives them lots of opportunities to practice as inconvenient as this may seem. With this all in mind, hopefully this helps you to understand why they often react so quickly and so strongly to what seems so little to us and to approach them with more calm and patience in a manner and spirit of teaching rather than out of annoyance because they really need our help in learning ways to react appropriately. Now, if you've had the conversation regularly for a week or two about throwing toys, why we don't throw toys, putting it up for a few minutes at a time, you can drop the warning if you like. The toy gets thrown. You can again start with empathy and then go on to coaching, but you can skip a few steps because you've already been working on it and teaching and coaching already. I can see you're mad the blocks fell over, but do we throw toys? Then you want to coach on a better way to react. Now you're asking your child because you've been teaching and coaching this already instead of giving answers. So what are some things you can do instead of throwing? Then when your toddler gives an answer, that's a great answer. Let's practice that for next time. You want to practice that right there. This practice is really important. It is one of the most important steps because now that the burst is over, the logical brain is back in gear and this practice helps to make this a new habit. It's not just talking about it, it's practicing, really important. And soon they will start to use it, not just while they're practicing, but even when they're mad. The other thing you can do is teach about emotions during quiet times, and one way of doing this is by reading books about emotions. And in last week's episode, I created a handout with a list of books, so you can go to yourvillageonline.com podcast toddler behavior to get a download with a list of books about emotions, to learn more ways of working with toddlers on their emotional development during quiet times as well as during upsets. You can see the class on tantrums or the class on your developing toddler on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection. Ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion.